Give me a nod when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hey everyone, welcome to the 3GIQ podcast. I'm Matt Gunlock, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Frank Gao. And so this episode, it's just going to be Frank and I talking. This past weekend, well, so it was, what, February 3rd? Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So February 3rd, we went down to North Carolina and shot the Zoo City local match. Uh, no, February 4th. Uh, yeah the fourth so we went down and shot uh the zoo city local match down in franklinville north carolina and you know as always it is a great time one thing i think frank and i both kind of agreed upon is uh we drove down frank left his house at three o'clock in the morning picked me up at four in the morning (laughs) i woke up 15 minutes before the pickup time and then we got there, we shot the match, and then we came right back that same day. Uh, you got home at what, like 10 o'clock at night? 10, 10.30? Yeah, so it was almost a 24-hour, uh, yeah, about 19 hours on the road shooting and then back. Yeah, so uh, we both agreed next time we're just going to stay in a hotel the, the night prior. We didn't do it this time because, well, I had to do adult things and – you know, do my day job. And then that night before the match, I, w- I found myself loading some nine mil ammo in my garage in preparation for the match. Um, most people say you shouldn't be doing that right before a match, but you know what? Um, I'm very limited on time nowadays, but it worked out. My pistol ran pretty uh, damn good. The ammo ran uh, pretty damn good and it was accurate. But uh, what we're going to start out talking is kind of the gear that we use uh Frank is uh, starting his endeavor into the open division and me, I'm kind of continuing in tech ops. So, uh, you know, Frank, why, why don't we start with you as far as uh, your rifle, what you have on it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure thing. So I, um, I got a criterion barrel from you. I had like a Daniel defense 14, five barrel before. So Upgrade to a 16. I got the Ultradyne comp on it too. That helps significantly. I haven't messed with the bolt carrier mass. I think that might be the next step because um, I, I hear that that helps quite a bit. Uh, but otherwise, like I got uh, JP captured Silent Spring in there. Um, I have an offset uh, Arasaka mount with a uh, Trigicon RMR Type 2 on it. And then I'm using the Vortex 1 to 10 Razor. So like all that, it's perfectly fine uh, in terms of a open rifle. It was more of my shooting that held it back. So um, I guess, why did you go with a 16 inch barrel instead of a 14 and a half inch? Uh, so some of the further shots are out to, you're, see, you're gonna see a significant drop in barrel uh, muzzle velocity with the shorter barrels. Um, and, you know, I, 
for the longest time, I all my ARs were like 11 fives and like 12 fives. And I think I got like really almost uh, below 11 at one point. Um, and I realized that um, you're not gaining a whole lot by going shorter barrel, um, but you are losing a lot of velocity and consistency, not necessarily accuracy, but the ability to predict exactly uh, how much that bullet is, bullet is going to drop. Um, and then also the drop off is not as severe with a longer barrel. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all those points. Uh, you know, and for me, like I always, I always like the 16 inch barrel people are like, Oh, well, why not use an 18 inch? Well, you know, it really depends on the type of match that you're going to be shooting one, you know, um, I think the 16 inch is the best of both worlds. You can still drive the rifle as hard as you need to drive it in a bay. Um, and you can still reach out and touch targets out to four five, six, seven hundred 700 yards. And I've done it uh, with the 16 inch, 18 inch nowadays. I, I just don't see the benefit of it personally. And that could just be a personal preference. Yes. An 18 inch could be softer shooting, but if you're shooting your rifle, right, you're, you're still going to be, uh, just as fast and just as accurate. Um, so like for me, I'm using a, a, a double star, um, you know, three GR go fast red rifle. Uh, it's a beautiful rifle. I absolutely love it. The recoils where I want it to be. Um, it doesn't have an adjustable gas block in, you know, I really debated whether or not I wanted to change between a, an adjustable gas block or have a fixed gas block. And at the end of the day, I said, you know what? I'm going to run it as is. I'm going to see how it shoots. And Double Star does have an adjustable gas block. But I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, if I put an adjustable gas block on there, that could just potentially be one more thing that fails on me. So let me run it as is, see how everything goes. And quite honestly, I'm loving the rifle. When I zeroed it a couple weeks ago, um, you know, back in January, uh, and I say a couple weeks ago, that's pr prior to recording this. This is going to come out, you know, probably a month before I actually zeroed the rifle. Uh, when I zeroed it, every single round at 100 yards uh, in zeroing were touching each other. It is an incredibly accurate rifle and I just, I love everything about it. You know, it's a good choice rifle and I'm not just saying this to try and sell people on it. Um, uh, I am saying it because I truly think it. Um, so you know. what, what I would add to that, Matt, is uh, there is a lot of peace of mind in having a reputable manufacturer put together your rifle. I put together my own rifle. I installed the barrel. I torqued the barrel nut. I put an adjustable gas block on it. I adjusted that gas block. Um, I basically went until the it was reciprocating like correctly and feeding the next round. And then I pushed it up a few more notches. Uh, so we'll see if that holds after time. I have had issues with uh, adjustable gas blocks before. I've also had issues with my own uh, gunsmithing before. So um, yeah, just some of the yeah. options are out there. And I'll be the first one to say this is the first time I've actually owned my own manufacturer uh, made rifle. Everything else that I've had, even shooting on a team, I used my own rifle that I built myself in. I, I have had problems in the past where, you know, a gas block would come loose. It happened uh, in the middle of a, a major match and it, pissed me off to no hell and so you're right the peace of mind of having a rifle that's been purpose-built for a specific task uh and knowing that it's not going to fail me it gives me a lot of peace of mind yep. um now let's uh let's go into pistols uh i think 
I know I was shooting my my 2011 and that was a purpose built built 2011 um and it's a beautiful gun every piece on that pistol was hand fitted um I have recently changed from having a small front sight to having a fat front sight that covers the entire uh, rear window of the rear sight. It's different for me, but I've found that I am a lot faster and a lot more accurate with it uh, with stuff out to about 25 yards. Jason tends to throw one target or two targets out in a match where you're shooting a target, a 12-inch round uh, plate at like 50 yards. And I would say that's about the only place I really struggle, you know, and it's going to kind of really come down to me testing and, and training on my own to really kind of determine, do I want to keep using a fat front sight or do I want to just keep running what I have? Yeah. Um, do you find that with the thinner front sight that sometimes you're, you're being a little nitpicky about your sight picture or there's, I a, am. there's a tendency to yeah over confirm? Yes. Yes. Uh, and I feel with the fat front side, I can have more of a target focus than uh, than a sight focus. And as long as I see that fat front side in the in the rear window, like I'm I'm legitimately just pulling that trigger as fast as I can. As soon as I see that uh, that that sight line up or that target, uh, you know, in in my view. And, you know, I have very few makeup shots um, on on targets that are. 20 yards and in and i i feel fast with it sometimes almost too fast but you can never be too fast it's true um so for my pistol uh, i shot i shot my carry optics shadow two this time around um i just wanted something that was reliable it also gave me a chance to test out the uh, double alpha max holster which the retention was pretty good for three gun uh, i'm happy with that uh but i've honestly like everything outside of uspsa I've kind of been messing around with a lot of different guns. Uh, you saw for the three gun at PCSL, I shot my Glock 19. Uh, it's it's fine. Um, I plan on shooting that for the RPG uh, day and night. I plan on shooting that for tactical games. Um, the Shadow is something I can always go back to. And then the open gun is, uh, you know, the open gun is what the open gun is. But for me, uh, pistol is probably the, the piece of equipment in three gun that I'm least concerned with because it, the the type of pistol the format doesn't really matter i know i'm gonna do just fine on pistol and in fact we'll get into this later we'll talk about the match uh it was a concerted effort for me to stay away from my pistol because i knew that that would make up for some of my uh some of the discrepancies i had in rifle and shotgun no i i agree and and i especially agree with you on you know it's really not the pistol that makes a difference yes a 2011 platform is it, it, it's going to enhance you to a certain level but i always believe you know the old fucking saying it's the indian not the arrow and but it's partly true it's it's a person who's pressing that trigger and you know that that is running that gun that's mm-hmm. what's really going to make that difference if you can shoot a pistol it doesn't matter what gun in your hand that you have you're going to run it fine it's just how familiar are you with that specific platform that you're running? That's going to really make the difference. And quite honestly, like I love my 2011 platforms. That's what I'm going to keep running. It's, uh, you know, I have two different 2011s. I love them both. Uh, And one of them is right now getting outfitted uh, with a slide cut. So I can put an optic on it. Um, You know, whether I shoot in a carry optics division or a modified division, since that's the fucking craze of, of, of three gun, 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you know, uh, we'll see. But I, I specifically got that one cuts for tactical games since, you know, anything besides elite division, you can use a, a dot on your pistol. Right. Um. Absolutely. So, let me ask you something. Uh, what makes a good open pistol? Since like you're the open connoisseur here, um, I don't know much about open. Uh, I've never I've shot an open pistol before, but I've never really kind of dissected what makes an open pistol really good. I mean, there's really no limitations on it. So if you want to go full open, um, I suppose, uh, given the amount of movement that you're doing. So here, I, I shot my actual open gun for PCSL2 gun. And obviously that pistol runs really well. 38 Super Comp is really expensive, but it's a, it's extremely flat shooting and you can absolutely tear it with it. Uh, the problem is, is that it's really freaking heavy and you have to contend with whether or not you want something that heavy flapping at your side when you're running around with your rifle or your shotgun and just moving around the stage. And also like... With my open gun, uh, I just <laughs> I don't trust any of my race holsters enough to run it and like just I don't want to have to worry about my holster as I'm sprinting. I just want to be able to trust it. It held up fine for PCCL two gun, but uh, there's one stage where I definitely went pistol first because I was like I don't really want to mess with the retention at all. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, uh, the majority of open shooters that were on my squad, Buddy Brad and a few others. They were running, it seemed uh, predominantly staccatos with a uh, slide ride uh, red dot. Okay. Um, Back to the holsters real quick. What kind of holster do you run typically with your open pistol? Uh, I'm running an Everglades uh, magnetic roller holster, MRH for short. And it's, so when, when, when it's unlocked, it's going to come out of the holster extremely easily. Like, you you stand up on your tippy toes and that thing is going to start easing out of the holster. Um, you have to basically flip a latch down in order to keep it secured. But then in, they're in uh, is part of the problem. Like that needs to be part of your draw stroke if you want to end up drawing that after coming out from your uh, your your rifle or your shotgun. So it's not really conducive. Like with the uh, with the holster for the Shadow Two, I could just rip that thing out of my uh, out of the holster as I was moving forward, like after having dumped my rifle, and my shotgun. Um, it's just a little extra with that race holster. Okay, and I think here this next thing we're going to talk about shotguns. Yeah. Um, you know, talk to me about your dissonant arms. Yeah. So um, I keep saying it's new to me. It's a it's a it's a used dissonant arms KL twelve, uh, which for the those of you that don't know, it's basically converted Vepr done by distant arms. They import it and they basically kit it out to be ready to run in competition. So it's a box fed uh, shotgun. It's uh, it came to me with like three 20 round mags and a couple 15 and 12 round mags. Um, I put a uh, I put a Trigicon SRO on it. It's just one of the old SROs that was formerly on one of my, my backup shadow is now on my dissident. Um, there's really not much else to it. Uh, there's a Big fuck off compensator on the front, um, adjustable buttstock, and, and it's there's also an ALG AK trigger in it that's extremely soft. Um, it's extremely fun to run. Um, I I had some issues with mine. We'll get into that when we talk, start talking about stages. Um, but 
I know for a fact the shotgun is not holding me back. It's it's me holding the shotgun back. Yeah. Um. And so, in terms of tack ops for the for those listeners who really don't follow three gun or you know you're on the military side of the house you don't know a whole lot about shotguns because here in the military we really don't fucking learn or shoot shotguns much um and the only ones you're really familiar with probably is the benelli m4 uh you know so i've been through I, th- I think I'm on my third shotgun since I started competing about nine, 10 years ago. Uh, I started out with an FNSLP Mark uh, two, I think it was uh, in FNSLP. And that was a uh, piston driven shotgun. Uh, I will say it was probably the lightest shooting shotgun I ever owned, uh, but it was also extremely heavy. Um, and so it's kind of a balance. So you want a heavy shotgun that shoots light that's gas. Um, well, or do you want something that's light that's going to give you a little bit more kick? Uh, it, and quite honestly, it really comes down to um, what your stance is and how, how much you can uh, mitigate or manage that recoil. Um, I'll be the first one to say, and FN doesn't make these shotguns anymore, but whenever I bought that shotgun, it took a lot of extra money just to get that gun to run. Uh, if mm-hmm. you talk to guys like Bob Osbeck, he'll be the first one to tell you, like my shotgun was basically a, a bolt action shotgun. Um, it only wanted to eat really expensive ammo and didn't want to eat anything, uh, anything that was, you know, what we run in three gun, like your, your, your target loads and stuff like that. Anything below, you know, it wouldn't even run 13. It, it barely ran, you know, 1350, 1400 feet per second round. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty shitty. Um, ended up uh, ended up, you know, I ended up fixing it up and getting it running reliably. But then I went overseas, came back. And while I was overseas, my on my last trip in 2017, I ended up buying a Mark Roth signature series Benelli M2. And I tell you what, that was a beautiful fucking gun. Uh I, I spent about 2,500 for that gun at the time and it was a workhorse. It just ran. Uh, it was easy to load, really good shotgun. Um, had a dovetail mount at the back so I could shoot slugs at, at distance targets, stuff like that. I ended up selling that gun, uh, mainly because during that period of time, I wasn't really competing much in three gun. I was doing more bullseye, uh, I was, I was doing, I was setting the, the USPSA team up at the time on, on the shooting team. And so it just kind of sat there. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to sell this gun, repurpose the money into something else that I'm, I'm going to use. And then it, when I get back into three gun, I'll get something else. And that's what I did. And so now I'm running a Stoger M3K and honestly, like between Stoger, Benelli, um, and the FN, the Stoger is probably my f- most favorite gun, and it's also the cheapest gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it already comes with the magwell or the the loading port, uh, f- fully open, you know. But I take a Dremel, I polish everything up, I open it up a little bit more, and it's a really good gun. Um, you know, I I'll switch springs out, I put a different handguard on it. I basically made it my own gun, and um. I I've had very few problems with that gun since, you know, I got it. Um, I, I just, it, it's a workhorse. It shoots, it's accurate. 
uh, for a shotgun. You know, I know where my holes are uh, for slug targets because and three gun, you know, it's not as bad as what it used to be. Now it's like you, you have a slug target out to, you know, at the furthest distance, a hundred yards back. Whenever I first started three gun, they would get stupid every now and again, they would throw a, a slug target out at 150 yards. And it's just like, what the fuck guys? Yeah. Um, you know, you'd have to be in, incredibly surgical with that shotgun to hit targets at that distance. But, you know, I, I love my Stoger. It's, it's been running really well. Nice. Um, now, you, now you have two of them. Yeah, I do. I I have your your one that you bought, but then you decided I'm just gonna go open. So that didn't quite happen in like the span of like a couple of weeks. I bought a bunch of three gun stuff, and then I tore my Achilles, and I just didn't get to use it for like a year. And then, uh, yeah, and then I ended up getting into open. But yes. Um, right, right sequence there's a there's a bit of a time lapse there so you know open you know and for those who don't know the difference between like tack ops and opens like we just kind of explained the the guns and all that kind of stuff it, very quickly um we didn't go into all details like open basically you're allowed to do whatever the fuck you want you can mm -hmm. use whatever you want you can use bags. You can use tripods. If you have offhand targets and you don't want to shoot that target offhand, you can throw a tripod out there and engage the target with the tripod as long as it's in the shooting area. Um, did you, do you, I know you're very new to three gun. Um, do you have any extra accessories at, at this time? Um, I mean, I use Buddy Brown's tripod on a few of the stages. Uh, other than that, not really. I mean, um, yeah, I basically, I basically focused on having guns and equipment that ran. Um, and then we'll sell so, like, I don't think three gun is going to be my focus of effort. Um, but it is, you know, as a co-host of this show and, um, since we have interviewed so many people in the three gun community, um, it is something I'm going to continue to participate in. Um, so we'll, we'll see about all the other doodads, but, uh, it, it can get very expensive very quickly and uh, honestly kind of insane. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned buddy Brown, how was it shooting with him and having him on your squad? Um, yeah, it wasn't just, I mean, it was, he, he was great. Um, you can tell he's been, he's been around for a while. He do this funny thing where like we would show up to the stage and we'd start walking it. And he'd be like, oh, I guess we just start walking the stage before we even read the stage brief. And like he said that like every for six straight stages. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it, it was good to have him around. Uh, shot with uh, Zach Smeltz and some some of the other guys are also shooting open. And it really like gave me a frame of reference on like how fast you could really go. And I didn't really go that fast um, for a variety of reasons. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was a really good crew. I am. Um, I would have liked to be on your squad, Matt, but uh, it was also kind of cool to, you know, get exposure to other shooters and see how they approach things. And, you know, I kind of, I, I, I agree. I think it would have been great to be on the same squad. Um, the problem with being in this sport for so long is, you know, so many people and you just want to, you know, you just kind of want to rotate around different squads each match you go to. But I, and I think at the same time though, as well as, you know, 
we're we're a co we're both hosts for a podcast so it kind of allows us to split our efforts and yeah. you know see many different people and get many different varying opinions and thoughts and you know in a sense spread our message but also see what they have to say yeah uh, I, I think it worked out yeah um so going into the zoo city three gun match that we shot on february 4th uh we'll start um and i've been in many different we'll start at the very top from the match brief uh i've been in some match briefs where i am looking at my clock and i'm like is this ever going to end and to the point where i go grab a lounge chair and i sit down for about 45 minutes while i listen to somebody talk about themselves or each and every stage like they're giving you each stage brief before the match even starts and it's just like dude you're you're taking up time here let, let, let's fucking shoot um but at zoo city it's very different like jason's very concise he he's he's very friendly he's very open um and he's just telling you what you're going to see very expeditiously and you know he he talked to us about battle for the south and what what to expect there and you know one thing i will say is you know if you're near north carolina and you want to prepare for battle for the south one of the best ways to do it is go shoot one of his local matches because you can guarantee what he is doing at a local match is he's testing props and he's testing you know, ideas for major matches prior to him putting them on the ground because he wants he wants to prove everything. Um, you know, from the brief perspective, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it um I like that he basically only said what he had to, uh, which was, hey, we're not doing a jungle run, and we basically supplemented it with a different base stage. And some of the movers he he was specific about the way that you had to reset some of the movers the uh, the death star at the polish plate rack specifically they had very specific reset procedures uh and he also mentioned that um i think either him or buddy was going to come by for the first squad that was on there which was our squad and come by and show us how it was going to work um otherwise you could kind of tell that it was like the usual characters like everyone knew each other pretty well uh, some inside jokes that kind of thing but yeah um efficient to the point and yeah it wasn't a sermon which is good yeah i mean let, let, let's go back and rewind to thermont two gun <laughs> no we won't go we won't. yeah you <laughs> It's not necessary that your match director is comfortable talking in front of people, but the problem with people who are nervous talking in front of people is that they tend to just find something to read and just read everything. Like, you know, you run into guys like that in the Marine Corps too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, with uh, with Jason, it definitely just felt like he was having a conversation with everybody. Yeah. Uh, all right. So match, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we're going to go stage by stage. Uh, so with stage one, uh, that was the first stage I started on. Uh, I really liked it because it, you know, one of the things I found myself in three gun struggling with at one point is, uh, you know, offhand targets, small offhand targets. Um, and he really tests what you're uncomfortable with. Uh, and it's really satisfying whenever you can, you know, hit those offhand targets with rifle 
on the first or second shot and then just continue mm-hmm. blazing through. And, and, you know, he, he, he gives you the options. Like, so on this stage itself, it had two small, uh, you know, offhand small uh, poppers in the back auto reset poppers. Yeah. And then it gave you, it, it gave you the option of using shotgun or pistol with the, the, the knockover steels that were out there. Yeah, so there was a small rifle steel popper, as you said, uh, far back left and far back right, dump barrels in both places. Um, I don't know how your squad ran it. Almost everyone started with rifle far back right, Mm -hmm. shot the rifle steel, shot out on paper all the way to the left, shoot in on paper, shoot the static steel in the back, dump. And then from there, it really differed on whether people went for the rifle or the shotgun. which, Which did you go with? I went with rifle and pistol. Um, I just felt more comfortable. I figured I'm going to spend more time loading my shotgun than, you know, shooting as fast as I can. And I was comfortable enough just taking those down, um, as fast as I could. And, you know, I want to say my stage time was about 39 seconds for all time. I did forget to shoot a target that was off in a corner that I didn't see, but you know, Jason, Jason has a tendency to do that shit. Uh, um, but, you know, I just I, I went as fast as I could um, and I felt comfortable, you know, looking back at the video, uh, my video, uh, I felt that I spent a little time, too much time, you know, acquiring sights on that other popper on the left side. Yeah. The, and I was just like, you know, I, I hit it on my second shot, but I just felt like my preparation to take the shot took a little bit too long. So I gave up some time there. Um, you mentioned it to me, uh, but you you started the day off wearing your rubies and then you swapped off of them. Was that part of it? Uh, that was on what was it? One, two, three. That was stage three that I swapped off because he, you know, Jason paints his targets pink. Yeah. Um, and so with the rubies, like I couldn't even see those targets with the rubies on. So I had to switch off to different set of sunglasses. Um uh, I will be purchasing some Hunter's HD gold at some point um, just because I want to be able to switch between the two based on the setting. And I, I think that's really the purpose on why he has rubies and golds. Uh, yeah. That way, if you're in a situation where targets are, uh, you know, disappearing on you because of the color scheme of them, you can switch over to another color scheme glasses that's going to make them pop out more. Yeah, I think another thing to consider is like the just the composition of like the berms, the backgrounds, because for me, the steel targets were just sinking into the berms, the the pink steel. And it was it was really hard for me to quantify my reticle and the target. Um, you know, trying trying to get that to pop out. So um still a fantastic product. It just wasn't right for that situation, like you said. Um, what I like about stage one is that, you know, the the back left and back right gave you opportunity to shoot in and shoot out. But also as you're moving forward, right, there was an array of like paper and steel that gave you the option to shoot on the move a little bit, um, which I thought was good. And then at the end, you're just pinging pieces of steel. Uh, so I, I went rifle to shotgun and then finished up on paper with a pistol. No, I figured you'd probably be running your shotgun a little bit more because you wanted to get yeah. comfortable. It's a local match. So, you know, practice what you're not good at. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and 
I mean, we'll go into it more. I, I started, I tended to do that. And then I got to a point where it's like, fuck, I'm just fucking this all up because I'm not used to shotgun right now. Yeah. And I, I, I just, you know what? I'm going to go right back to pistol. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was interesting watching some of the other open shooters because uh, with paper targets, right? Usually you'll take those with rifle and pistol. But if you want, you can load up slugs in your shotgun and you can shoot at them. Now, with the open shotgun and having it be box-fed, it becomes interesting because it's not like you're going to burn through a bunch of birdshot and then have the slugs at the bottom of your magazine. You're more likely to swap to another magazine, shoot that random birdshot at a steel plate, and then start going for the paper targets. And then you just have to remember how many slugs and how many birdshots are in those magazines. Um, my problem was that my slugs weren't cycling correctly. I found that out, and we're, we're going to talk about the long range uh stage uh straight up just didn't work for me so i mm. i didn't really try that but you want to talk about stage two all right so stage two is more of a lateral movement there wasn't really any forward movement everything was just laterally um and again there were some i would say there were what about 10 inch rounds that were in the back that you had to shoot offhand maybe 12 inch rounds um that was the rifle plate rack wasn't it or yes there were yeah there was oh you're you're talking rifle you're you're talking about static steel yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah yeah, so there was uh the rifle plate rack in the center and then there were two static steels on each end um and i started there in the center on the rifle plate rack you know moved to the right you know shot shot the the static steel and then paper ran to the left shot the static steel paper um and then there I actually went to shotgun and it was there. I kind of realized, wow, I'm really fucking out. I, I, I'm really out of practice with a shotgun. It's like, I completely fumbled a, 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 a load of a load four. And then I shot four targets. You know, I, I was trying to load eight. I loaded four, fumbled the second uh, load, then grabbed four more rounds through those in. And I shot a total of four shots, dumped the shotgun, and then went straight to pistol. I was just like, I ate up so much time. Like, I probably ate a good 15 seconds just doing that right there uh, unnecessarily, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I forgot a piece of steel on the left side because I didn't lean far enough left. So um, it's interesting because, like, it's not like I'm not used to this kind of match. This is what Sir Walter does. They mm-hmm. love to hide pieces of steel and open targets in awkward lanes. Um, it's just, I think, I just wasn't as diligent in my uh, preparations. You know, usually with the USPSA stage, I count, you know, how many targets are there. I make sure I find every single one of them. Um, I honestly wasn't listening to the stage brief. I just kind of, I was just kind of walking the stages. I regressed pretty hard. Uh, is what I'm basically saying. Yeah, you know, I found fu- I, f- I found myself doing much of the same. I didn't necessarily listen to the stage brief the way it sh- I should have, um, and I just kind of did my walkthrough, missed a target that I should have seen, and you know, I think I did that on two stages where I just completely didn't see a, a target that was supposed to be there and and didn't shoot it. Yeah. Um... My plan was start rifle right side, um, hit the static steel, shoot paper, run to the center, um, shoot the plate rack, paper that's like tucked away, 
and then switch to shotgun and then go left to right. Um, I use Buddy Brad's bipod or sorry, tripod to get to the plate rack. And that obviously made that easy. But what I didn't account for is that that freaking tripod was in the middle of the shooting area. So I went back with shotgun the entire time I was shooting the middle like plate array. I was like, don't shoot this fucking tripod. <laughs> so, so you see me, I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And then I have to like break contact and get around it to get the last plate. Um, so I don't know if the tripod really helped. And like you said, it has to be in the shooting area and uh, it just takes up a whole lot of room. Now, the next guy that went through, I can't remember who it was, um, but they basically like shot off the plate rack and then just like Spartan kicked the tripod out of the shooting area. I was just like, it's not my tripod. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that it wasn't a great stage for me. No, I mean, that's, that was a story of the smash for, I think both of us. Yeah. Um, stage three, it stage three had a lot of movement because you, you, you know, yeah. you could, you started forward in an area, you had, you know, two static steals in the back. And this is where, this is where I had to switch out uh, my glasses um, because the targets were just completely washed out with the background. Um, and, you know, hit those, hit paper, static steel. You could have either shot with pistol or shotgun. I chose shotgun. Um, there was an array of uh, clays right in the center with a couple static steels burn through that and then you know you go to the far right side and you're attacking with pistol and this is where like there was a 50 yard i want to say it was about a 50 yard uh piece of steel that you have to hit twice if you sh you're shooting it with pistol it yeah. made no sense to run all the way over to the other side with rifle um so i shot it with pistol and i think you know i hit it on the first shot and then I think it took me about five more shots before I finally hit it again. And this is this is me kind of dissecting. Do I want to have that small front sight or do I want to have a big uh, fat front sight? And it, I'm just going to have to, in practice, go outside and set a target up at that distance just to practice and recreate so I can fine tune uh, whenever I see it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So the whole shooting area was shaped like a U. Mm -hmm. Did you, you started on the left? Yeah, yeah, I started with the left. So this one really got people because if you started on the left and you looked all the way to the right, there was a plate that was hiding behind a barrel. And yes. Our first two shooters completely forgot that plate. Um, similarly, if you go all the way to the right, there's a paper target on the left that yep. you would miss if you weren't specifically looking for it. Mm -hmm. So um you, you, you said that uh, Jason like does a lot with the geometry of the bays and that's kind of part of it. So there's, there's a little bit of symmetry there, right? Like on each side, there's a gotcha target and it's easy to remember because the entire stage is symmetrical. However, when you're in the heat of the moment, if you don't act adequately plan it into your uh, stage plan, then it's very easy to forget. I actually went right to left. Uh, I started on uh, rifle. I went paper, paper, and then shot the uh, static steel in the back. Um, finished out in the paper, dumped, uh, dumped the shotgun or dumped the rifle to shotgun, and then start clearing plates. And um, they had a, they had those clays in the center, right? Mm -hmm. Took those on the move. The problem was like I had twenty rounds, and I counted the targets as like seventeen shots. So I knew I only had like three makeups. And uh, by the time I got to my last position, I was on my last makeup. Uh, my plan was to shoot in on the plates on the far left side and then dump. Uh, the funny thing about the open shotgun is 
uh, a 20 round magazine on a dissident arms is a huge fuck off magazine. Like it just looks, it's like an elephant tusk. Um, it, and if you try to yeet that thing into the barrel, it's not necessarily going to go in. So um, as I was, as I was walking in, shot a plate, realized that my bolt had locked back, dumped the magazine out. And then I dumped the shotgun in, went to my pistol and then finished out. So that meant that I had to take two shots. So what kind of like you, um, I just, I basically ran the opposite of your plan. Um, I had to take two shots in that 50 yard steel with the pistol. Somebody was telling me that you could hit all three offhand plates from the right hand side, but it would have been a pretty hard lean for that far left plate. It was, uh, it, it, yes, it, it would have been possible. It's just, um, it's your comfort level, you know? Yeah. Yep. And that, I think that's what I liked about, like, I like the stages where, you know, you see an angle and you're like, I could hit that, but could I consistently hit that? Like I could hit it if me and my buddies were joking and smoking and they're like, oh, we're, you're like playing the gun equivalent of horse, mm -hmm. but in the middle of a stage when you, you, you're, you're in a rush to get to shotgun or pistol and the rest of the stage, it, it's kind of hard to settle down. And like, when, when you're like leaning like that, um, but that's good stage design, right? Like you kind of give people enough rope to hang themselves if they choose to do so, <laughs> or or they or they look baller as shit. Yeah. Um. All right. So stage four. Uh. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's all right. It's uh. uh we we understand stage four. We understand why you exist. You exist because the jungle run was muddy as muddy as shit, and we couldn't do the jungle run and i i yes yes and i think it was also let's test out these props for battle for the south uh, which is a very important detail you know you want to test to make sure that these are going to be uh working adequately and they're going to pre present enough of a challenge for the shooters so um you know with, with that the polish plate rack I don't think it's anything necessarily too difficult. He had three plates there that were painted red that were no shoots. Um, I don't think anybody on our stage actually hit him. It was just your comfort level. Like I was getting dangerously close to hitting him. I know because I was trying to go pretty quickly um, and I was, but I was comfortable taking those shots um, where, and this is what I'll say, you know, and it was counterintuitive to how I usually am you know, I kind of psyched myself out. Like I saw that spinner target. That was what, probably 70 yards out, 75 yards out, um, a rifle spinner, 75 yards offhand because I'm a tack ops guy. Um, I, and you know, I psyched myself out just on that one target. And I'm like, in, in my head, I was, I, I started going internal and I was like, I'm going to fuck this up. And instead of maintaining some type of positivity, you know, I went out there kind of, uh, you know, already psyched out and not doing so well. Um, but that wasn't the target that hurt me bad. It was I, I, I got the the offhand uh, spinner mm -hmm. over. No problem. It was that fucking Death Star. You know, and that's all about timing. Yeah. And obviously I didn't time it right because. I fucking timed out on the stage and that was, I think that's the first time I've timed out in fucking years in three gun. Yeah. Um, it was a very straightforward stage, but if you didn't execute, 
And like the whole thing you said about getting in your head, um, I I spent a lot of time going to uh, war on the swing or the spinner. Um, you kind of need to be aggressive on that thing because as soon as you see the momentum swing in a particular uh, direction, you have to catch that momentum and you have to just throw rounds at that particular part of it. Uh, that's the only way you're going to be able to shoot it quickly. Um, in terms of that Polish plate rack, I personally think that the way it was resets with the weights on the ends made it so that some people, and I was shooting like 115 grains, I hit it dead in the calibration zone and didn't knock over. Mm. Um, so I personally think that two weight plates was a little too much because depending, I don't think it was calibrated as well as it could have been. And I don't think we really needed all that weight on it. Um, and then a Death Star, um, I think it's a cool concept. It's just that, um, sorry, back to the Polish plate rack. We had one person... So here's the thing, like if you're shooting it while it's still spinning, like you're fine. It's when it like kind of comes to a rest mm -hmm. and the inside plates, like the innermost plates are hiding behind one of those no shoots. We had a guy just straight up, just shoot the no shoot just because he wanted to get at the plate, but that might've been counterintuitive there, but probably would have been the same if he just took the penalty. Um, yeah, and then the Death Star, um, very cool concept. I just it didn't really seem consistent in terms of like, and I know it's supposed to be crazy, but it seems like some shooters just got like absolutely crazy spins and then others got like pretty stable. Uh, but that may just have to do with like which plate you shoot off and in which order. Um, yeah. I would say probably venture to say uh, which plate you shot off first. I think it, because I, I, you know, watching videos of other people and comparing it to mine, um, I know I went straight from hitting that popper, activating it to hitting the first plate there on the right hand side, which caused a little bit more chaos because yeah. I'm hitting something that's lower and it's going all yeah. over the place. Whereas if I hit something up high, you right. know, it's not spinning at that point and you can just kind of cycle through. So it's really about how you attack it and, uh, and how, it's going to really present itself. Yep. Absolutely. But yeah, well, it definitely wasn't my favorite stage. No, me neither. All right. So stage six, it was uh, my last stage of the day. Sorry. Uh, stage five. Right. Oh yeah. Stage five. Sorry. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, stage five. We started outside the shooting area. You had one offhand uh, popper like, yeah. and it was a skinny Sammy uh super small target yeah. uh but doable at that distance it was what about 50 yards away i'd say yeah yeah it was small so it kind of psyched you out um but that was the first thing so you're standing outside the shooting area and you have to shoot this popper from outside the shooting area before you can step inside and then start shooting the uh the paper um bunch of paper like basically inviting you an array of five targets inviting you to shoot on the move as you're progressing and then the finale was all it was a few paper targets uh but then it was just a bunch of uh, knockover steel so i a lot of our shooters just did rifle to rifle to shotgun um so and some of them shot the the last array of paper with rifle and some of them slugged those with shotgun uh, how did your squad go about it? Um, uh, I th most of us went from rifle to pistol, or no, 
yeah, rifle to pistol, uh, and then finish with the shotgun. Uh, and some people, th there were quite a p few people that also did rifle to shotgun and then finish off with pistol. Um, it really depended on comfort level and what people really wanted to do. The faster guys went from rifle to shotgun and then finish off with a uh, pistol. Okay. Um, what I liked about it too was uh, just like stage one, uh, there's the ability to like basically shoot, shoot on the move aggressively on his paper targets in the middle. Um, and then at the end, uh, I, I just went straight shotgun. I yeah took all the paper and then just went to the town on steel. Uh, forgot a steel target. <laughs> again all yeah. the way on the all the way on the far left of the uh final position but uh really really fun stage yeah i originally i was just going to do rifle pistol just because after the death star i was like fuck the shotgun i'm not gonna you know i'm gonna go with my comfort but then i had a failure to failure to feed on my pistol uh and I will, i'll admit my pistol was probably bone dry um so that's why it didn't feed properly. And so I just dumped it real quick and freaking switch over to shotgun. Um, but yeah, uh, really dynamic stage, a lot of options, uh, a lot of ways to shoot it. Uh, I do have a question for you. So what I found myself planning into my stage plans was um, I would aim like sometimes those plates were staggered to where if you aim like at the top of one and uh, you'd basically be able to potentially hit two in one shot. Mm -hmm. Is that something you program in or is that if it happens, it happens. So the way I program, if I know that there are doubles there, I'm still going to count each plate as a single plate. And if I get the doubles, I get the doubles. And, uh, but I always look at it as an option, you yeah. know, I, I I don't want to take a chance and then my plan goes to shit and then I'm off off track. But if I can get those doubles, I'm definitely going to go because it's less time pulling a trigger and a faster time on the clock. Yeah, no, I, I did the same thing in terms of ammo management, but um, just in terms of like visualization, mm -hmm. I'm aiming at the top of this plate so I could potentially hit the plate behind it as well. Yeah, anyway, I I don't usually aim at the top. What I generally do is I find the position on the stage to where they're kind of staggered to where I can see both. So I can just aim in that general direction. I'm going to hit both plates at the same time. Yeah, nice. And then stage six, it was my last stage of the day. And it got cold because that sun was uh, going down. Like it, I, I think it dropped down to 37 degrees at that point. Dude, it definitely felt like it was colder than that. <laughs> if you were in the shade, it was colder than that. Yeah, yeah, and we were in the shade at that point. If you were in the shade and you weren't resetting, it was definitely cold. Mm -hmm. um, but what I liked about this, so this was the long range stage, right? They had a bunch of stuff. Uh, it was like, what, 100, 200, 310, 400, right? So, like, doable shots, but in the beginning... Um, a uh, set of steel to the left and right and uh, one paper. 88 208 245 308 and 395 yards oh yeah Yen told you Yen told me 310 and uh, well, i guess it depends on where you're lasering from um yeah. but uh yeah the the beginning like so you're shooting long range from i don't know what would you call that thing it was like a a, 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 a trailer basically yeah, you were shooting off like a, a trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but before that, you're st standing back in this area. You have steel and paper on one side, steel and paper on the other side. Now, 
you have to go to pistol, right? Because there's that there's that one pistol target on the left that's like one shot. Um, you have to slug the blue steel on the right side. So this is where it got interesting because I found myself uh, mixing slugs and birdshot. Uh, I basically went to the right first, took a shot on the steel plate, missed it, took another shot, hit it with a slug, shot my last slug into the paper, and then start going on steel. Um, that would have worked really well, except uh, my my stuff wasn't feeding correctly. So I was basically going bolt action with all my slugs. And I think specifically, you know, it was an issue with the slug rounds. Um, I'm running mine about 300 feet per second faster than running for their dissident guns. So I need to fix that. Um, but then going to the left side, you still have a paper target, right? So I, I did a reload. I did a reload into my 12-round mag. Plug. But what, what I what I did was I racked out the bird shot. What I should have done was I should have just taken a shot at the bird shot um, on the steel and then go to slug and then finish out in steel. Um, and then go up, uh, shoot, pistol. There's a plate rack, a bunch of steel targets, some paper. And then uh, you have... You had like a little plate rack to the right for rifle, and then you had those targets you're talking about long distance. Um, you basically went one for one, didn't you? Almost pretty much. I had one makeup shot, and that was at the 200 target. Um, yeah, but yeah, basically, I went one for one on all of them except that one. Yeah, um, I didn't, I didn't par out, but uh, my time wasn't awesome. Yeah, I think so. I shot it in 82 seconds. Yeah, I, I was in the low nineties, so okay. definitely, uh, definitely took a lot longer. So I guess, what uh, what magnification were you at for the rifle shots? Oh, I went straight six power. Okay, so I was on ten power, and what I was finding that's too was, much. Yeah, yeah, I, that's I, I, too I much. I realized that. So it wasn't so much like yeah, you, you can see the target super well, and you can see where your shots are landing. Great. Um, but in terms of like what I what I found was that I was like I, I was shot at the hundred I was like oh shit where's the second one I'd literally like poke my head up look at it orient my rifle and then get back down and uh, that was taking a, a lot of time so uh, these are the things you learn you know um, but I still got through the stage okay yeah so you know for me I started I started with shotgun my first round I loaded in a shotgun was a slug that was in the chamber I hit the paper with slug hit everything else with uh with birdshot all the steel you know then loaded four birdshot three slug and a birdshot or one I loaded four birdshot and then one more birdshot with three slugs behind it hit you know burned the one birdshot on a knockover hit the paper with the slug and then I had two uh two more slugs in there uh, one for a makeup, uh, hit, hit that slug target with the first shot, you know, burned the second slug, went to the knockovers, hit those dump shotgun. It could have been faster. And I'll kind of go into that here in a second. Uh, but then I went to pistol, you know, hit all the, the knockover and plate rack with the pistol while I was up in the trailer, there was one target. It was probably about again, 40, 50 yards away. 12 inch round and I didn't hit it this time. You know, I think a mixture of just exhaustion and being fucking cold, um, you know, I ended up just shooting the pistol out, dumping pistol. And then we went into rifle and I basically finished clean with rifle. Um, 
with that being said, you know, we talked about scope magnification, stuff like that. Um, you know, right now I'm running an Athlon Cronus BTR one to six. It's good scope. It, it's not a bad scope, but over the past six months, I want to say I've been, I've been looking and trying out friends night force attacker one to eight. And so I've been through quite a few different scopes in the past nine years, nine, 10 years. Um, you know, I've shot Trigicon, you know, they're not bad. Uh, I've shot Athlon, I've shot Vortex, I've shot uh, Leopold's, you know, I've, I've shot them all. Um, one thing that really impressed me, and I, I do prefer a first focal plane optic uh, with the mill reticle. I, I like mills because my brain understands mills a lot easier than MOA. With an MOA, I find myself having to remember patterns and exactly the aim point I, I have to, you know, look at on the scope. Whereas with a first focal plane mill reticle, all I have to do is remember numbers in my head. And I remember numbers a lot more, uh, a lot easier uh, so if it's a half a mil, I know where I have to go. If it's 1.2 mils, I know where I have to go. If it's two mils, I know where to go. I can process that a lot easier and I can just write the mills on my arm if I have to. Uh, and you know, the night force attacker is pretty damn expensive. You know, I think it's about $2,700, but at the same time I look at it as it's a one to eight first focal plane reticle, uh, that's in mill, which I love everything about it. But the thing that really sold me on this scope is it has a true illuminated reticle. Like the Trigicon does not have a true illuminated reticle. Um, you know, it gets washed out. And in in, when you're at one power, you can't see your center dot. You, you just can't. Where And I found it slowing me down more than anything else. Whereas with that night force attacker, having an illuminated reticle on a first focal plane scope, that's what sets it apart. And to me, that's what's it makes it worth the money. Yeah, there's a lot of other details to uh, optics, too. It's, um, you know, the ease, ease with which you can uh, manipulate the magnifications, the quality of the glass, clarity, light, light transmission. Um, really, like there's it's not really a hold fast rule, but in general, like optics are going to kind of cost more than guns in some cases, uh, but it's quality that's well-deserved and it's well worth the, like if you're going to put a, put an emphasis on something, then that might as well be it. Uh, like let's say, you know, spend money on ammo first, but uh, yeah, a good optic is definitely a good investment. Um, I don't know about you guys. We had a lot of shenanigans on the stage. Uh, a lot of guys like because of the the slugs and the birdshot uh, got, got, it wasn't me. But uh, somebody, somebody put... slugged the target. No, no, somebody... no, 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 that wasn't oh. it. No, someone birdshot at the paper targets on both sides. Oh, so okay. it's just like every time we go and like go and like pace it up, it just be like a, <laughs> it just be like little like a million tiny holes in it. It was just hilarious. Um, but also just because of moving in between all three uh, three guns and going to long range. Uh, somebody tried to put their pistol in the large bucket and someone oh, tried to Jesus. someone tried to put their dissident in the pistol bucket and it was just like it was just such a funny moment i forget who the shooter was but he was like <laughs> he was like 
he put his pistol down in the uh, the big bucket, brought his hand out, put his hand on like the rifle, looked back at the RO. I think it was Buddy Brown. RO was just like, no, <laughs> like like like, <laughs> like, he, like, he, like he was talking to a dog, like he was talking to like a young child who knows that he fucked up and needs to rectify himself. And uh, and then he went back and you know took out the pistol, put it back in the right bucket, went back to the rifle. It was just such a funny sequence of events. Um, and you know that, that just it, it just it just one of the things and it, I got an appreciation for how much more complicated three gun is. Um, there's so much more moving pieces. I am used to being done with a stage in under 20 seconds in USPSA, and a lot of these stages were like 40 to 60 seconds. Um, I didn't bring the same amount of mental energy I did to USPSA. Uh, I think part of that was just straight up fatigue. You know, you and I, I got up at 2.15 in the morning. You know, I got to mats uh, at around four and then uh, we got to, yeah, we, we were just going all day long. Um, but it's really not an excuse. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I earned my performance and, you know, mental lapse is notwithstanding. Uh, you got to do better. And I know better. Uh, I've been shooting long enough that I know better. And uh, I just made a, made a lot of rookie moves. But um yeah, it was really fun. Um, I can see why you're willing to make that drive because it's a great group of people down there. Um, but it's also, a family. I mean, yeah. everybody there's everybody there treats each other like family. It, it I I've I haven't been anywhere else in the country where it's like that. Like you know, everybody gets along. Everybody's friends and everything. But there, it's legitimate family. Like. You know, Christmas time, I drove down to North Carolina because I got invited to a Christmas party with a bunch of the Zoo City crew. Um, and it was just all of us hanging out. You know, I've shot with some of the guys since I started shooting three gun, like everybody down there. It's family. Yeah. And I mean, people are dude. a lot of shooters came from Jacksonville. I'm sure like a lot of shooters are coming from uh, other distant areas as well. Do you know if we made the longest drive? I'm sure someone came from further away. Um, well, your drive and Patrick Beckham's drive was about the same diff distance. Like Patrick Beckham came from, I think, North Georgia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a haul. We had to get through yeah. all the Carolinas. Uh, so people are coming from very significant distances just to come to this match. And like Matt said, part of it is the friendships, the family, the camaraderie, but also it is a very well put together match. Um, like the stage design, um, you know, that I, I thought was extremely well done. Um, it, it reminded me a lot of like Sir Walter stages, just in terms of, um, I've always described practical shooting to new shooters as like, hey, it, sometimes it's, it's a puzzle that you're solving with shooting. And that, that's what some of these stages felt like. Like there were times to be aggressive. There were times to be technical. Uh, there were times that you absolutely had to make that shot. And um, it was a mixture of all of the above. And I, I really enjoyed it. So I, I, I don't tend to like to compare matches, especially two completely different type of matches. So, you know, last week um, you shot the PCSL two gun or three gun. And then this past weekend, you shot the Zoo City three gun. Obviously, very different matches. Yeah. But what are some of the discernible uh, things you remember 
you know, what, what are some of the differences that you would see? And uh, would do you think some of what Jason does at his match can be recreated up in Quantico? Yes. And we, we talked to Alex about this, right? At this point, the uh, interview with Alex about PCSL is going to be out. I think the way Jason, in some cases, he forces you to shoot shotgun in some cases, forces, but for the most part, it's completely up to you. Uh, you can play to your strengths. You can work on your weaknesses. Um, but having, like, for example, those far fixed steel, um, I, I think uh, on, um, was it stage three, the one that was shaped like a U, mm-hmm. that far back steel, you can shoot it. It's two shots with a pistol, one shot with rifle, and one slug with shotgun, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you could you could pick your poison. And I think the, the choice is, uh, it's, it can be intimidating and at times paralyzing, but it's really a beautiful thing. It opens up uh, a wealth of options for how you can run these stages. And, you know, um, the the way that shotgun was implemented in that PCL salary gun, and we talked to Alex about this, was the shotgun was kind of shoehorned in. It was like, you have these targets that you have to shoot with the shotgun. And I think our point to Alex was like, why, why not make it a choice? Because when you're shooting with three guns, um, you're going to be better with some and others. You're going to be c- more comfortable in certain s- situations. So why not be able to create stage plans that cater to your strengths? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was on full display in Jason's stage design. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously Jason has been doing this for a while. Yeah, You know, he is seasoned uh, in more ways than one. Uh, but, you know, he he's surgical with everything he puts down and he tests everything he puts down. And like I said, he's testing these things for ideas for the big matches. And I think that's what makes it so great. Like, you know what you're going to get whenever you go to one of his major matches uh, based off of what you shoot at at a local match. And he's never going to be lazy about it because at the end of the day, he loves he loves the sport and he he does it because it's his passion. Yeah. Um, if you find a good stage designer, it's like, it's like finding a good director, like movies that you enjoy. You, you tend to stick with that person. You know that that is a source of quality, but that also means that you got to support those people go and shoot their matches. And Matt and I drove, we spent 10 hours on the road uh, last Saturday uh, just so we could attend this match. Um, so yeah, and then help out if you can, really, because they're volunteers. And at the end of the day, they're doing it. They're doing it uh, because they're passionate about it. But sometimes that's that's not enough motivation to keep going and putting on a baller match every single month. Yeah. But, you know, we hope you did enjoy this. Uh, Frank, did you have anything else before we kind of close? Um, I guess, did you... As I was going through, I'm like, these are things that I need to work on. Um, so obviously, like lo- lo- reloading on a dissident shotgun is uh, one thing, but um, the manipulations, like dumping in a barrel, like I was watching a lot of guys that like they basically transitioned a rifle or long gun to their weak hands, and, and as they were dumping in a barrel, they were already drawing the next weapon out. Yeah, I was like, I'm not gonna try that because that is something that I want to dry fire before I put into practice. But I'm seeing all these things that guys uh, guys are doing to shave off seconds and just be more efficient. Um, 
did you, I mean, you, you've been shooting this longer, but uh, what, what are, like, if you were going to go to another three-gun match within, like, a couple weeks, what are the things that you would be working on dry fire right now? Shotgun. Like, straight shotgun reload. Like, I, I fumbled way too many times, um, wasted so many seconds. I probably didn't shoot nearly as aggressive as I should have been shooting with a shotgun, uh that's that's the crux of all my problems right now and you know this weekend i'm gonna be going out and practicing on the neighbor's range just pulling out all my steel and just just practice um you know probably just grab a case of shotgun ammo that i have in my garage and just you know shoot 500 probably 500 rounds and just practice reload shoot reload shoot reload shoot just do different drills. I feel very comfortable with pistol. Now for the long shots, what I will do is I will put a small piece of steel out at 50 yards and just practice, find my hold, find that trigger press. Because one thing I I, I tend to do, if it's something I don't do very often, but I know I'm going to see it is I mentally take a note in my head and I'll slow down for that one shot. And I think, the, the one thing I'm thinking in my head for that one second is trigger press, trigger press, trigger press, and then I'll let the press go and I'll hit the target. And so that's something I need to get back in the habit of doing. Yeah, no, well said, but uh, no, I had nothing else besides that. All right. So we hope you enjoyed this. I know this is kind of different. I uh, hope we didn't bore you with details that you can't actually visually see. Uh, we'll put, We'll, you know, we'll put our, our match videos on our Instagram page for you kind of to look back at. And and as we're explaining stuff, uh, you can see it. I know the one stage I didn't have a recording of is stage five. I'm almost too embarrassed to put stage four up there. But, you know, for the sake of the podcast, I'll fucking throw it out there. Fuck it. I don't care. Um, But, yeah, uh, we hope you enjoyed this. We hope you you uh come out to a zoo city match we hope uh if you're interested come out to the zoo city uh battle for the south that is going to be a fucking epic match one of the things jason and i were talking about with that is you know we a couple years ago is the introduction of like breaching a door with a shotgun um but like for this one of the particular stages we're we're thinking of doing a breach in into a shooting area and then breaching out of the shooting area, then climbing on a trailer and having a freaking uh, Jeep Cherokee or something like that, having a vehicle, pull that trailer along while you're shooting targets on the move. Nice. So uh, me and Jason have been talking about a bunch of different stuff like that uh, to make this the, the, the match really good. So we hope to see you out there. We hope you enjoyed this. We hope you come out to more Zoo City matches. And we hope you just go out there and shoot uh, shoot matches uh, and get into the sport. Because at the end of the day, it's about getting better for the military guys. It's about becoming more lethal. And if you could, it really does help us out. Uh, whatever listening platform you listen to us on, whether it's Spotify or Apple, please go in there, rate us you know, write a comment, let us know how we're doing and we hope you have a good one. Thanks.